What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a little life updates podcast, and I promise this is going to be a little bit more exciting than that sounds. Um, we're going to talk about Jenna's pregnancy a little bit. We'll talk about uh, my cardio pursuits. Uh, I have a half marathon coming up in 11 weeks now. And I just want to kind of talk about what I've found interesting about strategizing for that race and, and some of the things that I've learned um, that I think can be helpful and fun to talk about. We'll talk about what I call the ab training paradox, which is just, I've reintroduced ab training after being somebody who, well, I'll explain it to you when we get there. Um, somebody who wouldn't have decided to spend time on direct ab training. Why am I doing that now? Let's talk about that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about moving to Raleigh and kind of just some of the things that we've learned as Jenna and I as a couple and, and as people, and maybe some of that's interesting for you guys. Um, so starting off with Jenna being pregnant, we're, we're having a little girl. We're so excited. I I secretly wanted a little girl. I'm so excited. Um, not to make this podcast overly personal, but I uh, I didn't think I'd be so excited, not in that, not in like a dark way, but like more of like, I thought the ratio of excitement to shit my pants would be more in the, in the latter direction. Um, and I'm, there's certainly some of that, but very, very excited. And and that's an interesting just piece of personal change for me that I didn't actually think I, I didn't realize I'd feel this way. And I just think that this whole, like, I didn't realize I'd feel this way. I'm in for a lot more of that. Um, and so that's been nice. It's been an opportunity for for both of us to just grow. Jenna's been, you know, uh, Jenna's been looking forward to this for the last like you know, twenty five years, maybe, uh, since she was you know seven years old, like playing with a baby doll, you know, pretending like pushing a baby doll in a carriage. There's like pictures of her, but like me, I didn't actually picture myself one hundred percent having kids. It wasn't something that I was like, oh, that's one hundred percent something I'm doing. It's like something I have a calling for. I didn't feel that way, and and so it's been nice to see, uh, whatever. It's nice to be excited about it in, in, instead of shitting your pants about it. That, that's the long and short of that. Um, other things having to do with this, you know, we've been, it feels like, uh, first time pregnancies, it, especially in today's age, it can feel, and I know a lot of people are going to be, you know, you're going to be listening. You're going to want to like shout something back to us, which I appreciate, but it feels like, or it can feel like that there's a ton of shit to learn right? So much stuff to learn. Uh, Jenna's like, I got to take birthing classes. I got to take lactation classes and I got to do, you know, pelvic floor stuff and I got to modify my training and I got to modify my nutrition. And, you know, I got to, you know, postpartum, there's a lot of stuff to learn about how to do this. And, you know, there's going to be people being like, oh, you know, on one side, there's people that are like spamming all of these things you need to learn. You got to read this book. You got to do this class. You got to do this thing. And on the other side of it, there's people like, oh, you're going to figure it out. Like it's intuitive. It's common sense. Like you're just going to do what's right by the baby and you're going to, you guys will figure it out. And I, I I understand both sides of that, but, but well, there's no, but I think, I think we understand both sides of that. We're just trying to figure out what are the things that we really want to put time and effort into learning. And, and as like a, whether that's now pre-pregnancy or, or during, excuse me, during pregnancy or for the actual birthing process or for the postpartum. Um, and so we've been just teetering on overwhelm a little bit just with all the things that you could be learning about, that you could be doing. I'm not saying we feel compelled to have to do all those things, but the, the just understanding that there's a long list of things that you could do and could learn about and could take classes on and could be certified in and um, could be spending your time doing and don't do this and do that and all of this, so many things. 
And yes, on the flip side, there's people like, hey, like those things exist, and but you're you're also going to be just fine doing you know on some level this intuitively. Um, and so I appreciate both of those perspectives. On that note, though, um, what I'll say is is if you follow Jenna, you know she's been struggling with not working out. And um, what I'll say right now is that, you know, I'm a 32-year-old male and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of females and many of them, have not many of them, but, uh, you know, a, a probably, you know, near 100 of them at some point were pregnant. Um, and it's just no two ways about it. Like, it is, um, I don't know if I fully appreciated this transition, this this biological feat um, that that women are going through, right? That they are doing the most, you know, it's a combination of, of you are doing the most amazing biological feat that exists on the earth. You're doing the actual thing that we are, uh, we are meant to do on this planet and it's beautiful and it's amazing and we're very thankful. And as a woman, I bet you there's a part, you know, I bet, I'm betting that there's a part that's like, I'm very grateful that I get to do this thing, but it's fucking hard, man. And as a man, it, it, I'm watching it and I'm like, I, I'm, I, um, I want to figure out the right words because I don't want to be like, oh, this sucks that you have to do this, but let, let's just call a spade a spade. Me, I train 10 times a week. I'm in the best shape of my life. Dead serious, literal, like that's a throwaway phrase. I'm literally in the best shape of my life. Jenna hasn't worked out in 10 to 12 weeks. Now I know that there are women that as far as how they feel during pregnancy, it's it, they, it's the whole gamut. People feel like they throw up every single day for nine months. And there's other people that are like totally fine, don't really feel a ton of sickness. I, I have a couple of clients right now that are pregnant and watching the two of them and Jenna, it's just completely different experiences that people are having. Um, and so where was I going with that? Yeah, so uh, just a shout out to women that I just want to say that I, uh, shout out to women. Um, I, I, I didn't think, I, I don't think I fully appreciated what was going on here. Um, and until it was my own wife and my own child and, and, and it, I don't want to say it sucks because that's what my, that's what I'm going to say is it sucks, but it, it's a beautiful thing. But yeah, parts of it suck, man. Like, you know, you are now a vessel, um, you know, your body is not your own and it's going to change. And I bet you, you, you know, if you had to say, for better or for worse, you'd say kind of for worse, you know, like, um, you know, there's a cost to housing the baby and, and, and giving birth and all that. And it's, you know, again, it's a beautiful thing. I don't want to frame it negatively, but I just, yeah, okay. She, she can't work out. That's a bit, you know, it's been a big part of her life for the last 25 years, 27 years and whatever, 20, 15 years, whatever. Um, and I don't know how I'd feel, you know what I mean? That, that, so, so I just want to say, I, I, I'm feel a, a very appreciative for <laughs> just what women go through. Um, and, and I, again, I don't want to say it sucks, but there are parts of it that it's like, wow, man, this is going to take some real, like, introspection and, and, and reminding of, of what it is you want, because, you know, she spent the last 15 years getting in incredible shape and lifting a ton, and so whatever. Um, so, on the flip side of that, I feel a great responsibility to going back to that comment about learning a bunch of stuff, I feel a great responsibility to, to learn as much as I can because you know, she's doing the thing. She shouldn't also be in charge of learning everything about this. I think as a woman, she should want to know, and she does, but I, th I think I'm sitting here like, fuck, I'm not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Um, so I felt a, a great responsibility lately to, to go on the offensive and go learn about as much as I can. And of course, for me, that there's a, a natural 
progression to wanting to learn about it from the exercise perspective. So uh, lately, been diving in deep, again, not a professional, I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm not certified prenatal or anything like that, but been taking a, a several courses right now on on prenatal, on, on how to adjust training for a pregnancy. And there are things I know about and have learned about, but not in the sense of it being very in-depth and specific. Um, so um, have been taking a couple courses on that and have been really enjoying discussing that with Jenna and just saying like, Hey, like this is what I've learned about what's going on in your body. And, you know, um, you know, whether that's like, you know, scenarios in training where we can experience coning and, and avoiding that and, um, you know, just other modifications to, to, to allow her to remain active in the safest way possible. Um, and then really doing a deep dive into pelvic floor work, which is something that I knew about, of course, Duh. But it's something that I almost categorically referred out. So it's like, hey, like you you are pregnant. You probably want to do some pelvic floor work. That's just not something that I'm going to dip my hand into, let's say. Wow, that's a super creepy phrase for this. Um, and it's still something that I'm, let's be real, it's massively referring out. I think pelvic floor PT, absolutely great thing. You should do that. I'm not programming pelvic work, floor work. Um, but um, it, it does feel like... Um, yeah, okay, so so my, the notes I made in my notes here was like early thoughts on pelvic floor work. Early thoughts on pelvic floor work is that I would find a professional, that I wouldn't I wouldn't go with me is what I'm saying. I wouldn't be like, hey, Jordan, I'm pregnant. Let's do some pelvic floor work. It's like I'm not saying at this point after the last, I've maybe taken 40 hours of modules on this, I, I feel like I could, you know, assist you on the side and be like, oh, like, you know, you know, after you've worked with your pelvic floor PT and she's giving you a workout like we can we can have a talk about it like I know enough about it to have a chat about it like that but I don't feel qualified to be prescribing any of these workouts I think that there's amazing professionals and that's where I would go um, that was my initial thought with Jenna Jenna's like oh you're doing all these pelvic floor classes and stuff I signed up for um I'm gonna I'm gonna forget the name but a uh, um basically like a month-long course with modules and live Q&As and I'm very excited to to continue to learn more about it but yeah, I still feel like there's a gap that I uh, I won't fill in terms of like I would still go see a pelvic floor PT. Um, it does seem like it's not necessarily something that you need to be doing the entire pregnancy. Again, there are going to be people, be people out there, con contrary opinions, no problem. Um, but it seems like the closer you get to pregnancy, the more important this stuff is, uh, period. The training adjustments important kind of throughout, but also more important as, you know, just, just spatially the baby gets larger, your belly gets larger. Um, and so, yeah, okay, to sum up this pregnancy session here, it's been a bit of a mindfuck with all the things that we could learn, trying not to get overwhelmed. I'm trying to take on as much of that as possible because holy crap, I did not uh, fully appreciate the responsibility of being pregnant and, and the changes to the way you feel on a day-to-day -day basis and physically the changes that happen. And yes, it's a beautiful thing, but yeah, there are, you have to reconcile certain changes that are happening. Um, which I guess, at, you know, as a man, I hadn't fully appreciated. So shout out to women. Fuck man, that shit can be hard and, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's really no perfect way to say that as I'm saying. Uh, it's just like I didn't fully appreciate what women do as far as pregnancy. And, and I think that as a man, it's I am obligated to, to take on some responsibility to help her in every way which one of which is learning a ton about about this is taking on the some of that load of 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 things to learn which again we're not getting ahead of ourselves we're not I'm not that guy with like 800,000 books you got to do it this way everything's got to be done this way we're just trying to figure out which of those roots of 
learning by a book or learning through doing, trying to figure out that the balance between those two things. Cool. Moving on. So cardio work. So um, I am, I have my race on December 17th. So I guess that's still 12 weeks away. December, I think it's December 17th, right? 12, October, November, December. That's eight weeks away. October, November, December. Um, Yeah. I don't even know if that's the date. I got to check. I guess I could check right now while I'm on the computer here. Um, When is race day? Eight weeks till the event. Holy shit. It's only eight weeks away. Holy, it is December 17th. Shit. Um, so that's pretty soon. Um, but let, let, let's let's stay on the, let's stay on topic here. Um, a couple things. I still hate it. I still don't like running. I still I see I see where it can be. I, I okay, I've gotten just like a small whiff of of like runners high and all this stuff. Um, but that enjoyment definitely is limited to being outside for sure. I think running on the treadmill is just a, a soul-sucking activity for me personally. The treadmill has been massively helpful in terms of keeping consistent pacing as far as like uh, getting the desired training effect instead of trying to having to go outside and intuitively keep a, a certain pace. Um, um, but yeah, going outside is is the only time in which I ever feel like uh, getting any sort of a runner's high, which definitely comes back to like just genuinely enjoying being outside and fresh air and sunlight and all that good stuff. Um but yeah, so more than just not enjoying it, it's been intellectually stimulating to learn about. So I think I think there's two things to think about right now. So it's been super humbling to suck at something. And I suck at cardio. I think people are like, no, you're gonna do fine. Like I suck at cardio. And we're gonna talk in a minute about kind of how much I suck. I suck at this. And that's been both humbling and super fun. It's humbling because I suck, but it's fun because because I suck, I, I'm seeing newbie gains. So I suck in an absolute sense, but relatively I'm getting better quite quickly. Um, uh, and so that's been super fun. And I think two, two things. One, physically, I think it's been fun to do something that I suck at. Like literally like physically from an adaptation perspective, from a, it's, it's been physically humbling. But also intellectually, it's been fun to learn about something that I didn't know much about, right? And so I'm not, what I'd like to say is I think as we get older, we forget to do both of those things, to learn something new and to do something new. And I've found that it's been, I, I am have, it's so funny. I hate doing cardio, but I am loving this pursuit of both learning about cardio and applying it. I've been loving it so much, which is an interesting kind of, uh, uh, irony there. Um, and I think we forget to do both of those things when we get older. I think we forget to do things we suck at, learn a new hobby, learn a new language, you know, whatever it is. Um, but we also forget to do things that we suck at. I mean, I think we self-select things that we're better at, duh, which is like generally not a terrible idea if you're just like trying to be successful and stuff like that. But actively pursuing things that you're not good at, I think is really, really just intellectually and physically, just it's been awesome. It's been a just been so much fun. And I will say on top of that, it's been super fun because I'm working with somebody that I feel um, is helping make it fun through intellectual stimulation. I work with a coach, Alex Fiata, just like, you know, whatever. There's a bunch of people I really respect in this like hybrid training space. Um, Alyssa Olenek, Alex Fiata, Alec Blenix, a lot of people that I find are all super uh, smart and, and really, really great. Um, but if you're out there and you're like, hey, I want to pick up chess or I want to, learn a new language. I've been learning, you know, I speak semi-fluent Dutch. I've been taking Dutch lessons every Thursday with with a with a coach. Um, 
And instead of being like, oh, I'm just gonna do Duolingo or something, it's like having a professional that you can talk to that makes the process more enjoyable is awesome. And so if you're out there and you're like, wanna learn a skill, you wanna like, yeah, go fine, maybe do like a Skillshare class or something, but like get with a professional that you can talk to. It makes the whole experience more fun. So um, that's been awesome. So yeah, I'm enjoying the challenge of maintaining muscle throughout this process. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I wanna run a marathon. And then they just only do marathon training. I, I think only doing marathon training or only lifting isn't in line with what my goals are, which is to be the healthiest I can be for as long as possible. I think, I think pursuing more cardio was always within the understanding that I didn't want to move too far backwards with my lifting. Um, and so the challenge of trying to figure out how to reconcile those two goals, right, and do hybrid training um, has been super fun. Another realization that I've had, there's no fucking way that I can train as much as I'm training now with kids, uh, or let's at least say with a newborn, infant, very young baby. And another kind of just appreciation for for parents who are in those situations trying to make time for themselves. I'm looking at right now, I spend, let's say three and a half hours a week weight training, four times 45 minutes, let's just say three and a half hours. And I probably spend, uh, I do two times 45 zone two, that's 45 minutes. Then I do another 30 minute, I do 90 minutes and 45 minutes or 135 minutes, just like two and a half hours. So I'm training for like six hours a week, um, which is, I guess not crazy, you know, let's say six and a half hours a week, whatever. Let's and, and that might not be so crazy for some people, right? Some people do that, you know, four times a week for like an hour and a half, whatever. To me, that's a ton of time. And I don't think I can keep this up based on the amount of time that I like to spend doing my work and the amount of time I want to spend with my family. And so I was just I'm just thinking to myself, talking to Jenna, talking about this with Jenna of like, wow, this is like, I really appreciate people who have babies and children and are still making time for themselves. And uh, that's not something I have yet personally had to combat or work through, right? And, and I'm looking forward to doing it, but also kind of laughing in my head of like, yeah, this is gonna be a real like, um, uh, just real reality check of like, yeah, I'm not, after this marathon training in December, I, the baby will be here in four months, right, in, in April. And yeah, I, I just don't see myself training seven hours, you know, six, seven hours a week. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be putting everything on maintenance for a while, which will be a new challenge that I look forward to. And so as far as I'm, I'm, I'm I guess dragging on a tiny bit, we're 18 minutes in here. As far as the race strategy, um, I went into this, I'm gonna try and keep this simple. I'm not gonna go too much into the physiology of some of these decisions, but I'll try and explain it as practically as I can. But my goal for this was two things. Was one, to just finish, right? Um, and two, to run the race without stopping, right? Was to just be able to run continuously for the half marathon. Because to me, that was something that is so far away from what I'm capable of. And a lot of people, I'm not trying to like, a lot of people, oh, you're probably fine. Like, oh, you're gonna do fine. Like I have asthma and I'm not, this isn't like some woe is me asthma thing, but like I suck at cardio and I have asthma. And I am, I've never in my life run more than three. I haven't run three miles straight in probably since I was trying out for varsity soccer. And so uh, I haven't run more than three miles now in any of my training. And we'll talk about that because at some point I will begin to do that. Um, but I, the irony is 
running this continuously, let's say unbroken, running this unbroken is a bad strategy for me. It's a bad strategy. Now, why is that a bad strategy? And what I'm saying by saying that is that a run-walk strategy is a smarter choice for me. It's smarter if my goal is to finish as fast as possible, which it, it, it kind of is. I mean, I'm not overly competitive about this, but it's a smarter use of my body's energy to do a walk-run. Let me explain. And so if I were to run this thing continuously, I'm not fit enough. I'll say this and then I'll explain it. I'm not fit enough to run this continuously at a pace that represents a gait cycle that biomechanically is efficient. Now, what does that mean? That means that if I were to run this continuously, I'd have to run it at like a between 12 and 13, 12 and 14 minute mile pace. Um, and, and on a treadmill, that's like in the four miles per hour, right? In the four miles per hour range. If you think of a 12 minute mile pace as a five minute mile, it would, for me, it would have to be slower than that. So I'd be running this somewhere in the four minutes, four to five minute, uh, four to five miles per hour on a treadmill, you know, 12 plus uh, minute mile pace. And if you think about what your technique looks like when you run at that speed, if you get on a treadmill right now and you put it on 4.5, I bet you right at 4.5, you could walk that fast. So you could either walk super fucking fast or you could jog really, really slow. And I, I, I bet the shorter you are, potentially the more likely you are to want to run that, uh, run at that pace. But I think you'd be torn between a really awkwardly fast walk or a really awkwardly fat, uh, slow run. And when I say awkwardly slow, what I mean is your technique at that pace is more of like a shuffle. And it is a pace where the energy that you expend to move a certain distance forward isn't a good trade-off. You know, to use a lifting terminology, it's a bad stimulus to fatigue ratio. It's a, it's, it's a poor use of energy. So to shuffle, the technique that you use at four and a half, five miles per hour um, is a bit of a shuffle. It's not a very efficient technique. So I would be running at, that's the pace I would have to use if I want to run this continuously. So instead of saying, well, I'm going to run this as slow as I have to, as long as I do it unbroken, that is going to be an inefficient technique, which means it's going to be a somewhat waste of energy. Why not, the question kind of begs this question of, why not find a technique that feels really efficient for me, right? Where I can run in a bit more of a flow state, where the amount of distance I cover for the amount of energy I expend is a bit more efficient, right? In a more efficient technique. And finding that technique and saying, I want to run at this technique for a certain number of minutes, and then walk at an efficient walking pace. So instead of spending any time running at a really inefficient technique, I'm going to run at an efficient technique for me. Now, what pace is that technique for me? Or what, um, if I run at my, if I just go out and run at a at a reasonably challenging, not, not, not very challenging, I just go out and run. If, if you say, hey, Jordan, go run for five minutes at a pace that feels mega comfortable for you. When I say comfortable, I mean technique-wise, it's very comfortable. It's very flow state. I don't have to think about shuffling. I don't have to think about running really fast. It is a place where my body uh, 
kind of, I'm, again, I'm, just be clear, there's a lot of nuances to everything I'm saying here, but I want to find a very, a, a very efficient pace for me, a pace that's very neurologically efficient, that the distance I cover for the calories I burn is efficient. Now, that pace for me, if I just go out and I pick my most comfortable pace, it's about a 930 mile. It's roughly 6.3 on a treadmill, let's say. Somewhere in the nine to 10 minute mile, let's say. But I can't run the whole race at that pace, right? So I'm going to run at that pace because it's very efficient and I'm not gonna waste energy there. But I can't run the whole race there. So I'm going to, duh, I'm gonna do some intervals. I'm gonna run for, let's say, nine or 10 minutes, and then I will rest for a minute, resting being walking. And then I'll run again at my comfortable, efficient pace, and then I'll walk at an efficient pace. And there's some nuance here for, that's not gonna be everyone's comfortable pace. The more fit you are, this changes. The, the less fit you are, this changes. But for me, this idea of, hey, instead of running the whole thing at a really inefficient pace where your gait cycle is, your technique is, a big waste of energy, like shuffling really slow, 4.5 miles an hour, um, but with the goal of, hey, you could keep this up the whole time, I'll go faster if I run faster for 10 minutes and then walk, and then run faster for 10 minutes and then walk. I will end up going faster for, let's say, the same amount of fatigue. And that, to me, makes a ton of sense, and frankly, it's it's fascinating. It, it makes so much sense to me where when I go out and I run, if my goal was to run three miles, if I were to pick a pace where I would, would um, if, I, if my goal, let's say I go out and I run three miles, um, the pace I would have to run if I wanna do it unbroken, let's say is, I'm gonna make this up. Let's say it's 10 minutes per mile, right? A 10 minute mile pace. That's 30, it took me 30 minutes to run three miles. But if I run walk it, I might be able to do one mile at eight minute mile pace and one minute walking and one minute, eight mile, and one minute walking. And I would finish that in, again, math's not perfect, but I'd finish it in 27 minutes. I'd finish it faster. And I might find both of those things equally fatiguing. One of which saved me three minutes, but it was equally fatiguing. The other one, oh, I finished it without stopping, but I had to go slower. And so for me, it makes perfect sense of prioritizing my best running economy, my best, most efficient pace. Um, and again, it can get a bit more complicated you know, efficient pace can change over time as you gain fitness. Um, and, you know, what if you're so unfit that your efficient pace isn't a pace you can keep up at all? Like, what if what if not 9.30 was my efficient pace, but I could only do it for like three or four minutes and I'm fucking gassed? And so that's where we do kind of understand that there's gonna be some trade-offs. At that point, you might have to pick an inefficient pace and still do a run-walk strategy. So that, that I found to be really, really interesting and, and not talked about a lot. Everyone's like, oh, just go run a marathon and you kind of just you kind of just figure it out. You go out there and you run slow and you run you run slow, but you run the whole time. It's like, that's a bad idea for most people. It's probably a better idea to find a really efficient pace where you're in like a flow state where you can run efficiently with an efficient technique. Now you probably can't do that the whole race, but I want to be I want whatever I'm doing out there to be a good use of my body's energy. And running for me in a four and a half mile an hour, kind of like 12, 13, 14 mile per minute per mile pace is a bad use of my body's energy. Um, yeah, cool. What else? Um, I have not done any long running yet. And the truth is kind of because of what I just said, um, I'm very prone to shin splints. And so our... In, in, 
uh, our our rate of increasing volume has been slow. And I'll tell you right now, it's been the most amazing thing. Everybody, I'm not saying everybody, but people get injured running all the time. My hips, my knees, my ankles, my shins. I, I, I can't, I've been that person. Every time I run on my hips, it start to hurt. My knees start to hurt. My, my shins start to kill. Guess what, dudes? You're probably just ramping up volume way too fast. I started out, started out doing very little and very gradually increased volume, and I have not had any pain, and I can't, I'm not, I can't speak to anybody else's situation, but I can't help but shrug and be like, no shit, Sherlock, you know, you're not doing this like, like an a-hole, right, you're, 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 you're actually gradually increasing volume in an intelligent manner, like not doing too much too fast, like go figure, and so that's been a really cool experience to be like, hey, I'm doing all of this, and I haven't, experienced any shin splints yet and and part of not doing the long run yet is because I'm actually not that fit yet I'm still not that fit like people are like oh have you done any long running in like the six mile range 10ks like I'm like no I physically cannot do that I cannot I cannot run six straight miles right now there's no way I could run unbroken six miles but what we have begun doing is doing some of these intervals and increasing the amount of intervals I'm doing and adding up, um, you know, the intervals and the actual net mileage that I'm doing has gone up. Now, running for many miles in a row has some merit from a durability, from an anti-injury perspective, bone health. But if you tell me, Jordan, hey, Saturday, go out and run six miles, I'm going to have to do it at a really, really, really slow pace. And that just goes back to what I was saying, where it's like, I don't want too much to spend too much time at this inefficient pace. I want to get better at running as a skill, and I want to spend time running at my race pace, which is more of like that 930 pace. And so as we get closer, we will do some longer runs, but we will do them with our race strategy. Now, our race strategy will be, my bet will be to run somewhere between five and 10 minutes at my efficient pace with a one minute, uh, one minute walk. I don't know where it's going to be between five and 10 minutes. I've only been doing five and six minute intervals right now. If I run for five minutes at a nine minute, nine and a half minute mile pace, and then I walk for a minute, I probably need to string together like 20 of those intervals to finish a half marathon. Um, I don't know if I can do 20, 20 rounds of that. Actually, I'll tell you right now, I definitely cannot do that. So I, it's going to be interesting what happens over the next couple months as far as what my fitness in my sessions is telling me about what my strategy should be on race day. And, I, and again, I think once a month I'll hop on here and kind of uh, keep you guys uh, posted with how that's going. Um, next thing I want to talk, oh, oh, last thing on running is that I will just say this for the record, the... In my opinion, if you're really trying to get better at running, um, plyometrics are the unsung hero. Um, plyometric workouts are, in my opinion, the most boring, least fun thing you could possibly do. It's like physical therapy almost. Um, there's no real progressive overload that you're measuring. There's no, you don't get a pump. You don't even really get all that tired. I mean, you kind of do, but it's not the kind of tired that like comes from running where you might get into a bit of more of a flow state. It's, it's really the worst kind of training. It's not fun at all. Um, I hate plyometric training, but I have felt the benefits. That's hard to say, by the way. It's hard to parse out exactly what that even fucking means. But um, from a durability perspective, from an anti-injury perspective, from an improvement in ground contact time, running economy, I, I do feel like it's really beneficial, um, especially like intellectually where you might be able to get some of that from some higher intensity work, but 
this is a way of getting it without all the fatigue from some higher intensity work. Um, it feels to me like the unsung hero in in improvement in running economy and efficiency that that people don't do because it's not fun at all. You don't get a pump. You're not really even getting that tired in, in, in an enjoyable sense. I get tired when I do it, but like that's, I'm not like having fun getting tired. Um, and so it feels like that thing to me that, you know, kind of has this nebulous benefit that that it's hard to put your finger on. I mean, we can talk about what they are, improvement in ground contact time, improvement in running economy, improvement in in, in joint and muscle stiffness. Um, but, you know, how do you quantify that? Yeah, most of us aren't going to be able to quantify it. But it just feels like the unsung hero, the thing that people don't do that they probably should. Uh, I'm already at 30 minutes here. I was hoping to keep this to 30 minutes, but yeah, you know me. Um, all right, let's talk about the ab training paradox is what I have coined this. Here's the ab training paradox. My general take on ab training is, is, not has been, I have not changed my thoughts. Here are my thoughts. Is that most people want to train their abs for one of two reasons. One is they think that training their abs will reduce the body fat on their abs. That's not true. We can't spot reduce. You don't train an area and it gets leaner. That's not how that works. So that's a bad reason. If you're like, hey, I'm training my abs because I want to lose belly fat. That's not a thing. The second reason people train their abs is because they want to they want their abs to look better. I know those are kind of conflation. They kind of conflate. They're kind of similar reasons. And I'm not a big fan of training abs because you want them to look better because for most people, they won't ever change the way they look because you're never going to get actually lean enough to really see that. And what I mean by that is like, I'm not trying to be, I don't want to be dismissive of ab training. We're going to get to the good stuff in a second. But if you're not going to get really effing lean, then you're never really going to, change what your abs look like. Like, if you're like, yeah, I really want to train my abs, I really want to see the six-pack, and I'm like, okay, but are you going to get to, like, 10% body fat for men, 15% body fat for women? Are you going to, 17% body fat? Are you going to, are you going to do that? And they're like, well, no, not really. That Getting that lean really sucks, um, and I don't really feel like, okay, well, then, like, I'm not saying then don't do ab training, like, categorically at all. What I am saying is that maybe we reprioritize it. The truth is, guys, Everybody only has so many minutes that they can train per week and so much mental bandwidth that they can expend on training. And so I'm not saying don't train abs if those are your goals. I'm saying ab training should find its find a new place in the hierarchy of importance if those are your goals. For me, ab I would rank it like uh, lifting for hypertrophy as maybe number one, um, you know, getting steps or doing intentional cardio, cardiovascular work, maybe number two, getting steps number three, um, you know, there's actually, I don't want to, if we were really making a hierarchy, like where does ab training fall and like how I would want to spend my minutes if overall health is my goal, it's really far down. Um, not if overall health is my goal, if aesthetics is my goal, if changing the way my abs look is my goal, it, it's kind of far down. Um, and, and so that depends. It depends if you have a lot of time to train. If you train a lot, you maybe you, you're like, okay, I'm training for hypertrophy, but I also want to take a flyer on training abs. Here we go. Nonetheless, I don't, I think a lot of people that, that, that are training their abs are doing it for a reason that their ab training won't ever manifest. Like your ab training won't ever manifest to you losing body fat on your abs. And unless you're going to get really, really lean, you're never really going to see the fruits of this labor here. Um, and on top of that, I think if you just lift for hypertrophy, like if your goal is like, well, I just want to, you know, f functionally, I want to be strong enough for my day-to-day -day life. Okay. I think you can get most of the way there, if not 
arguably like, yeah, I, you'd have to say most of the way. You cannot say all of the way. Most of the way there, just doing heavy compound lifting, you know, where you where you brace occasionally during those hard reps. You know, hard RDLs, lunges, squats, you know, pulls and pushes. Um, if you train really hard, you know, you're not going to be like, well, my, my core deficiency is really getting in the way of me living my life. It's just like, that's not a thing. It's not a thing, you know. People are like, oh, I have back pain because I don't train my core. It's like, that's not an established correlation. Um, and so what, why I'm saying the ab training paradox is because I actually don't care anymore. And I know that there's a lot of privilege to what I'm saying, but I don't care anymore about the way my abs look. And it's almost because of that is why I'm training them. I know that that's, that's not technically true, but I'm training my abs because I am now obsessed with, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, this is a weird way of saying, but being invincible. Like, like I'm obsessed with being the healthiest, m- like most pain-free, most resilient uh, individual body that I can be. I don't give a shit anymore about gaining more muscle or losing more body fat. My training is only based around being as healthy as possible. And I think when you fully shift over to that, I'm not saying that all of a sudden you should train abs, but that means I'm doing a bunch of other stuff less such that ab training, I now have room for it in my life. You know why I have room for it? Because I'm doing an incredibly low volume of hypertrophy lifting. And so this ab training paradox is like, once you stop caring about training your abs for the way they look, once you stop caring so much about the way you look, ab training actually kind of opens up itself to being a bit more uh, practical in terms of you're not training so much for hypertrophy that all of a sudden maybe you do have some time for ab training. And now maybe it is kind of worth taking a flyer on like the functional side of things. Now I wrote functional in my notes here and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? You need to make sure that you don't just say functional because the biggest issue with functional is it has no objective definition. So my definition for functional would be trying to be strong through all different kinds of motion without any concern for deviation from what would be best for aesthetics, right? So functional for me just means I don't care if the choice I'm making deviates from what's best for aesthetics if it means being strong and good at a lot of different things. So that's cardiovascularly, that's long-distance cardio, that's short-distance cardio, that's plyometrics, that's athletically, that's hypertrophy-wise, having muscle mass because of the amazing health benefits. That means being strong, yeah, which is in kind of a nebulous term, but I, I want to be I want to be good at all these domains, and I can't help but think of CrossFit when I say that CrossFit's goal was to be, you know, uh, I, I'm going to forget the CrossFit mantra, but strong through all different time domains and activities, and that's kind of my goal. Now, the irony is the the best way to do that is to not is not to do CrossFit. Um, I'm not saying CrossFit's bad for that, but I'm saying the irony of like getting good at a bunch of different things doesn't mean to to shovel them all into like one workout, right? Um, and so that's an irony that I've been feeling. It's like I'm training abs now and people are like, oh, Jordan, you're, you've always been kind of against ab training. It's like, I'm not against ab training. I'm against ab training if you're thinking that doing ab training is going to shred down your core or if you're never gonna get that lean, if you're doing ab training in the hopes that you still see a six pack, that probably won't happen. Um, and I bet you that people have, other things that I would recommend they spend time on. That's all. App training is great. It's fine. It's, it's you know, it's, I'm doing it. It's part of, you know, if you wanted to be invincible, you would do some ab training. But it's still not all the way up at the top of the list. I'm still getting a ton of ab work from all of my heavy lifting. 
Um, but yeah, it is an irony, uh, this paradox of like, once you give up on uh, on caring so much about the way you look, now this thing that everyone does for kind of egotistical reasons, all of a sudden bumps its way kind of up the priority list into something that just crosses the threshold, in my opinion, into worth doing. So uh, I will have optional ab training in my group program going forward. Um, it is a it is a hypertrophy group that is that is based around efficient training that we are trying to be time efficient with our our programming and so I don't want to add so much optional stuff that all of a sudden people feel bad if they're just doing the hypertrophy programming because that was what this group was meant for. Now we have optional cardio. Now we have optional ab training. But as so long as you view it as optional and if you have extra time on top of your lifting, this is what I would do. Then I think it can be a really healthy addition. What am I currently doing in my training? I only train three days a week right now, full body. And so I have three different ab exercises, one at the end of each day. I'm doing one ab exercise where I'm bringing my pelvis up towards my rib cage. So something like a hanging leg raise or a gar hammer. Uh, I'm doing gar hammers. I posted on my story the kind of setup that I was I was playing with the other day. Um, I have one exercise where I'm bringing my rib cage closer to my pelvis. So like a top down approach, like a crunch. And so I'm doing a crunch with an ab mat. Um, and then I'm going to do something either rotationally or lateral flexion, just meaning something that trains the obliques, um, lateral flexion of the spine just means side bending. So I'm doing some side bends, um, rotational stuff that could be pal off presses, which is like more of an isometric could be cable twists. It could be, uh, something with a landmine. Um, and so training kind of all the functions of the spine essentially, uh, uh, kind of like spine training. That's kind of more of what I'm looking at it as. It's like, I want my spine to be strong in all directions, planes, rotational, all that stuff. And and so that's more of where I'm coming at it from. I'm not going over the top. It's not a ton. I do two sets of each one at the end of each workout. Um, and I have only been doing this for a couple of weeks. I'm not saying, oh, my abs look better. I have no freaking clue. I don't suspect that they will. I suspect that it'll look incredibly similar, identical. I'll do it before and after when I'm at somewhat of the six-month mark. Um, but yeah, I, I the, the irony of the ab training paradox is that it's almost like once you give up, like everyone wants to do ab training because they want to change the way their abs look. But the irony is that I think that for most people, it, if that's your goal, you probably have other better things you could spend your time on. The irony is once you stop worrying about the way you look, that maybe ab training crosses the threshold into worth spending time on. Everyone is going to have a different opinion than me on how they value certain things. I'm just sharing that as my opinion. Totally oh, N of one situation here. And the last thing we'll talk about is just living in Raleigh. This will be a little bit more personal. So if you're, if you're, uh, it was just here for the ab training and cardio stuff, like, yep, I feel you. You could, you could pop off now. But, but this is a little bit more personal. And so, um, you know, we moved to Raleigh from Austin. We, we grew up in, both Jen and I grew up in New Jersey. We moved to Austin and then we moved to Raleigh. Um, and I've learned a lot about myself uh, as we've moved around the country. Uh, uh, and, and frankly, learned a lot about myself through going to therapy through this whole time, which I highly recommend. Um, and the one, one of the things I've learned is that I'm, I'm a bit of a simpleton. Uh, and I know that that's a weird thing to say, but like, you know, in, an, in, an, in, in a way that I don't, I feel very neutral about. I'm not judging myself when I say this, but I don't actually need much in terms of things to do to be happy. Um, like, I'm not a big, like, I'll give you an example. We lived outside of Austin for a while. We lived like 20 minutes from Austin in Round Rock. Um, 
And if you ask me to name five restaurants in the city of Austin, I couldn't do it. I could name a taco spot I love. I could name a restaurant we like. I could probably name three three places. And we didn't go to Austin very much. We didn't go out in Austin. We didn't hit the bars. We didn't go out to restaurants that often. We didn't go axe throwing or like, you know, we did go axe throwing ironically. Um, but like, I'm not a big I'm not, when I say I'm not big on like, I need to do things in my life. Like I need big events and I need outings and I need uh, activities. Like what I'm just saying is on the spectrum of someone who needs a lot of those or someone who doesn't do any of that stuff, I'm I'm just over on that side of the spectrum. Um, I love my day-to-day life. I love my work. When, when I say my work, I mean, I love making content. I love uh, learning. I love, you know, I spe- I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a pelvic floor class. I'm in a pr- pregnancy certification class. Um, I'm learning with Alex, you know, Alex gives me homework in terms of endurance exercise that I learn about. I spend time learning more about, um, you know, listening to podcasts, watching stuff on YouTube. You know, I love spending time with my dogs. I love spending time with Jen. I love going hiking. I love watching soccer. I love my training. You know, I'm not someone who like wakes up on a Friday and I feel like I'm super stressed because I need to have activities planned for the weekend. Like, like I need to be like trying a new restaurant or like, oh, I need to go to this museum or I need to like, and, and I don't judge people who love that stuff. And I like that stuff, but like, I don't, I've, what I've learned about myself is that I don't actually care too much about, uh, like when I'm choosing where I, we ultimately want to live forever, which might be here, which might be back in New Jersey, might be somewhere else. I'm not like, so hung up on like, oh, people are like, what's Raleigh like? And I'm like, I don't know. We've been to Raleigh a few times. It's a city, man. If you want a nice restaurant, yeah, they have stuff there. But like, I'm not like, oh, Raleigh's the best. They have this museum and they have this thing. And like, just, it's not necessarily how I spend my life. Um, I love my day to day. I I mean, God, I just, I I love my life. I've been so blessed. I feel so grateful. And, 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 but like, I have a, a one of my best friends. When I left, he moved to Austin, and and he he won't listen to this, but um, one of my best friends, and he moved there, and we hung out, right? We would hang out, you know, a couple times a month for sure. Um, but 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 he lived in the city of Austin, and when I moved, when I was moving out of Austin, when I was moving to Raleigh, you know, he said something like, "You didn't even give Austin a chance." You know, and I don't know how, how much he was being serious, but he doesn't know this, but that stuck with me. And this kind of brought me onto my, this like self-learning about myself of like, you know, he's, we're very different, he and I. He is super duper, like he's, can name you 50 good restaurants in Austin. He can name you all the best spots to go for a night out, all the best spots. And and him and his, his girlfriend, they love doing that stuff. And I just, me and Jenna are just different. Maybe we're like more homebody-ish. I don't know what sort of terminology you'd use, but like, I just found that like an interesting self exploration of like, you know, people are different. And when I'm thinking about like the way I live my life, like I see myself spending a ton of time with my kids and and doing things with them and doing things with the dogs and going on hikes. And yeah, for my kids, I might, you know, be like, Hey, I want to expose them to more stuff. We're going to do more activities. Totally, totally, totally. But for me personally, I think I could be just very happy with a simpler life. And that's not a negative. I'm not judging myself for that, but I do kind of just like, yeah, it's just been an interesting self-learning of like, I don't, I'm not someone who's like, needs to go ax throwing on the weekends or needs to try this new restaurant or needs to go to this new bar because they have this new, it's very like cool and they have all these like things to do. And I don't know, like I like doing that stuff. I do, I totally do, 100%, 100%. But I derive a ton of pleasure from some simpler things too. 
you know, whether that's things, my work or, you know, honestly, one of the most fun things that have, has happened in my life is learning to speak more Dutch. You know, I was semi-fluent. My family grew up speaking Dutch at home. My, my dad is from the Netherlands. He's, you know, his whole family are from the Netherlands. They speak Dutch. My mom moved over there. Um, I, you know, I'm going to say this, just whatever. We're in the sharing tree. Like my mom isn't like a, a typical like intellectual, let's say. She's not like... um whatever, I love her to death, love my mom, amazing person, just like not a typical like intellectual, I didn't love school, what doesn't getting a straight A's kind of typical person, but my mom moved to the Netherlands with my dad before they had kids, and they lived there for like, you know, between five and 10 years, and my mom immediately learned the language, and I think learning language is difficult. My mom is, is, is an amazing, like fluent Dutch speaker. She went there, they lived there for like five years, and you might say, oh, you lived there for five years, you're gonna be fluent. I don't know if it's that simple. Like, and I think she has gotten to a point where like her, like it's amazing. And so when they had us as kids, they could speak Dutch. My mom's a crazy, amazing Dutch speaker. Um, And I was just kind of, I didn't realize how awesome it would be to be bilingual. And so we would speak Dutch, they would speak Dutch at home, but I, I would speak English back. I was speaking English in school. And so I never really learned to speak it as well as, you know, if two people are speaking Dutch, I'll understand. I, we go to the Netherlands, I understand. Uh, my dad talks to me in Dutch, I understand. Um, but I resisted as a kid, just like speaking Dutch back. And so I didn't acquire that skill. And so the last year of my life, I've been, I'm a, using a company called Preply. Shout out, shout out Casper, my, my tutor. Um, and I'm having a fucking blast with it. I'm having so much fun. And so like, if, if, uh, you know, I'm, uh, this is getting a smidge personal here, but like, I don't know. I guess the take home is like, if you, you know, there are people out there that like doing different things and, and derive happiness from different types of lives. But I do think that one of the best things I've learned through going to therapy is to be introspective about that stuff and to, you know, just learn more about yourself. And, and that's something that I've I've done in, over the last two years, been going every single week to therapy. And, and I found just being an amazing, amazing thing to learn more about myself, what makes me happy, what fills my cup, you know, what to me is draining, you know, how I want to be spending my time. Uh, and it's been, it's been super duper fun and, 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 um, um, I was gonna say insightful, I guess it's been insightful. It's not necessarily the right word, but, um, it's been super cool to learn about myself. And those are some of the things that I've learned. Um, cool. I'm going to end the podcast here. This is way longer than I thought, but I think doing some of these life updates, you know, whatever this living in Raleigh one was a smidge personal, but, um, can be fun. I think as I get closer to this race, I do want to update you guys with like what the actual race strategy is going to be fueling wise, what my strategy is going to be, how much am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? You know, what am I going to have on me in terms of backpack, water, you know, um, all of that stuff I've found super interesting, but I have not yet yet begun practicing it. And so I'm happy to come on here and share with you guys, um, update you guys on, on ab training and all that, that stuff as well. Um, cool. Thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far and yeah, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of where optimal meets practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.